Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the deputy editor and chief film critic, joined as always by Ann Thompson from Thompson and Hollywood. And and last week you were making me so jealous talking about all these film festival things you were doing at AFI Fest. So I figured I'd steal away to a film festival of my own. So I'm down in Key West for a film festival down here. Not as uh, much of a big deal, I guess, as AFI Fest. Sounds atmospheric. I'm not complaining. It's actually my third year coming down here, and um, I'm a big supporter of this festival because it's it's been growing into its own in, in some really interesting ways. This year, I'm actually presenting Carol as the closing night film on, on Saturday night, uh, which is really exciting because I'm looking forward to seeing it again. I haven't seen it since Cannes, and uh, Anne Hornaday, the critic from the Washington Post, is down here. She presented Spotlight the other night, so it's certainly in that season, and these movies are still around, and it's Are just, there Academy members in in you know Florida? Probably. <laughs> I'm sure they're I'm working. sure they're getting them in there. Um, well, some of them own houses. Brett Ratner will be here over the weekend. He's got a place in Miami and uh, is presenting a, a new scholarship for high school students who are studying film. Um, a lot of the Miami film community actually gravitates towards things like this, and there is a significant one out there in in terms of just sort of. The, the size of the city, I mean, it, there, there, are, there are movie people around, and, and Florida has its own unique flavor. So the movies reflect that in certain ways, and I think it'll be also kind of neat to see how crowds react to something like Carol. You know, it's sort of, it's a fun kind of party-loving scene, but it also skews sort of older. And the movie's opening right now in, in specialty release. They moved it up. I had to cancel it for my sneak previews roster because when I booked it originally, it was supposed to open on December the 18th. That's so now right. I'm hustling for another uh, another speaker for that night. Lots of good films opening at the end of the year, so I'm optimistic. Sure. Well, by the end of next week, we'll know about a whole bunch of other ones. But uh, you certainly have a lot to work with right now because from what I understand, you were just working the room like crazy at the Governor's Award this week. Well, that was an event that I always look forward to, although I have to say there's been a slight tipping point where, you know, the original purpose of the event is to honor people like Gina Rollins, who gave a wonderful speech and wonderful supporting uh, introductions from Kate Blanchett and, and Laura Linney and, and, you know, Jane Fonda and Meryl Streep honored um, Debbie Reynolds, who wasn't able to be there because she was so ill, who was getting the Humanitarian Award. You know, you get the clip reels and all of that. And it's, a peop- it's you know, the, the first few years that I went to this, it was really very touching the way that the people in the room were, who were a lot of Academy members, were, were supporting uh, the people who were being honored. And now it's become a total, you know, 
campaign wranglers, you know, bringing their uh, candidates around to the people like me, the press, to, to, to include them in our stories and to talk to them and, and to be, you know, meeting all the academy members. And So and, why is that happening? I mean, is that, is that people manipulating the governor's awards or is, is it the academy itself sort of wanting to go that direction and just sort of opening up award season to yet another event that kind of has that influence? Well, it became inevitable that when you have a, a room full of academy members, which is sort of like shooting fish in a barrel, you would therefore bring various people there. And it would also make sense for the academy to give tables to the different uh, studios. So each studio puts at their table the people who are, in fact, up for awards. And it was interesting to read the tenor of the room. Dress rehearsal, right? It's not a dress rehearsal. What it is is a... Um, a chance for people to, first of all, you're, you're reading the tea leaves. Who has been brought in? Who is getting money behind them? Who, you know, it's interesting to me that Broad Green is promoting Patricia Clarkson, who's, you know, who's a wonderful actress, but she's in a movie that not that many people have seen, Learning to Drive, and, and they're promoting, um, Sarah Silverman, in uh, in, in, in her back. movie, you know, yeah. So you've got you've got this kind of um, you know the the Magnolia people were there with Maya uh, Taylor, who I introduced to Dick to Will Smith, who happened to be sitting next to where I where we were. You that know? sounds like a slam dunk to me right there. You, well, she was so thrilled, movie. so <laughs> thrilled, and and then and 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 I'm uh, I, I introduced Effie Brown, uh, the producer of uh, Project Greenlight, the controversial uh, producer to Spike Lee and he oh, didn't know God. who she was either and That's I amazing. told him who she was and he said sure I'd like to meet her <laughs> I mean it's, th- those people belong to she she produced dear white people I mean they're they're working in that same kind of wheelhouse as basically you know say, saying like there there is not just a role for you know people of color in this industry that's being held back in some way but that you can produce great work about that on some level. And well, the they've been inviting out- people. They've been inviting people like Effie Brown to join. I mean, Spike's been a member for decades, but they've they've been inviting people. You know, they they talked about it. You know, there's a huge push on. You know, to include people like that, and 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 not. And when I mean like that, I mean people who are younger, who are women, who are indie, who are from foreign countries who are from documentaries as well as people who are not white, which is it's what the Academy reflecting is. reflecting what the world is, if not what the industry is. Exactly. So they're from. trying to change that. They're trying to make that a little bit more, uh, ref- it's going to take time. It's going to take a while. Every year they're going to invite more people. But, and then they obviously honored Spike Lee and he was, he gave a great speech and, uh, he had the three boys, you know, Denzel Washington, Wesley Snipes, and um, and the uh, the great Samuel L. Jackson, all of the them, holy trinity of sorts, <laughs> presenting. And, and apparently, I spoke to Spike the next day. Apparently, he they asked him to to have one presenter and he said no i want three and he invited all three and they all said yes (laughs) (laughs) you don't you don't tell spike how many people he can put in the room i mean just look at the ensemble for chirac you know 
Have you seen uh, Chirac yet? No, I haven't yet. Word's not out yet. I'm We're sure on an embargo. We're on an embargo yeah. on that one. Um, but uh, anyway, the the uh, you know it was it was fun and it was it was an incredible amount. You know, you just could you. you <laughs> I stepped on uh, this woman's. I, I didn't actually step on it, but it looked like I was I was going to step on it, and 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 I sort of stepped back, and it was Amber Heard. And my little brain sort of went, Amber Heard. And then I turned to the left and there was Johnny Depp. <laughs> you know, so but that's what it was like. Johnny Depp, right? Because uh, then I, it would have been in the tabloids. Yeah, I didn't step on Johnny Depp. Um, and then, and then, you know, you, you, in, in, uh, McKellen was there for Mr. Holmes, you know, talking about the women presentation. You know, he, he did this wonderful show, uh, in Mill Valley and here in LA, uh, tonight he's going to do it with, with all the, all the women he's worked with, you know, him honoring them. Instead, that's what's smart about someone like Ian McKellen. Here he is in, you know, on Twitter, you know, he has organic, real photos of him and Patrick Stewart or him, you know, he doesn't. The whole True Detective season two thing would have actually been a better season two thinking back on it. So Exactly. He's really very, he's really very honorable and and delightful and and works the social media in an organic way that's sort of fun, you know. But so far you haven't mentioned, I mean, these people are all great, but I haven't heard about a single person who actually seems like a real front runner for an Oscar at this point. Who do you want to know? I mean, there was, uh, uh, those were the table. I would say concussion is not, and I would say that um, Carol is. So that they were all there because I had just done them at the um, at the Academy Q and A. That was Kate Blanchett and Rooney Mara and Todd right. Haynes and Phyllis Nage and and so forth. And and there was um, uh, there was also a big uh, Ridley Scott Martian. Uh, Drew Goddard contingent and, and well, what a, what a, what a, a spotlight contingent kind of with Michael up. Keaton. What? I mean, just that, that duality there at Carol versus the Martian, just in the same room. I mean, it's like, I'm just you can't imagine those people mixing. It's like the art nerds on one side, and then the. I uh, don't think the Academy yeah. is as as polarized in that way as you think. Um, no, but I mean, I I'm would say to you that Ridley Scott considers people consider you know he consider. Ridley Scott is not like a representative of the whorish, you know, studio system. You know, he's, no, I he's, get he's he a isn't. real artist who he works is. on scale, but at the same time, he operates in a different universe. Than you're I. comfortable thinking that you're in the same universe as Carol, and you're not comfortable thinking that you're in the same universe as The Martian. But, yeah, maybe that's true. And it may, up, in fact, but... be a problem for the Martian. That well, it's this an is aesthetic distinction, because too. Because a mean, lot of people just... are high-minded people, you well, know? Well, there's just two different kind of cinematic... There's two different kinds of movie experiences. And you, you assume that on some level the makers reflect that. Maybe they do watch or appreciate other kinds of movies, but their community is a little different on some level. I mean, I just don't assume that there is a, a mingling of those crowds. You know, that's an interesting events. thing that you're saying, because if you think about um, who makes movies, right? I mean, who who makes The Martian into a beautiful, you know, well-wrought kind of spectacle? 
you know you have art directors and you have costume designers and right. you have composers Massive. and you have people who are artists alexander desplat or whoever you want to come up with in, in terms of who are the top composers working today these you know someone like john williams you may think of him as the guy who does steven spielberg movies but he is in his own right even hans zimmer who everybody thinks of as a sort of populist uh, composer he's an artist these well, people are clear. artists i mean i have I, they're, they're, I would not discount any of that for a second but you're doing that when you discount the idea that the martian would be in the same room as carol it's the same process it's the same it's the same uh group of of artists trying to make something that's really good it, the difference is that the martian was aimed at a much bigger audience yeah exactly well that that's exactly what i mean and so on some level it reflects the sensibilities of people who want to do different kinds of things i just no, I, I don't they, think they're... i don't think it's <laughs> i don't think it i don't think it does really anyway the the idea is that those people were commingling and i got a big kick for example out of watching the son of saul guys talking with Roger Deakins. Well, no, it's actually amazing because the way that movie shot is is uh, so innovative and I bet that Deakins is a huge fan. Well, I don't know whether he knew them or not. They were just hanging out, whether he's seen their movie or not. The point is, is that having met them, maybe he'll go home and make sure he sees their movie. Right, right. And, and that and, guy wants to make American movies too, so there could be a future collaboration or something like that. Definitely. And, you know, there's also, you know, we, he, he was at the Sicario table, obviously, because so, he's going to probably be nominated for that. Right. So, right. so that's why they just happen to be standing near but, each other. I, I'm fully supportive of the idea of all this stuff operating under the same roof i guess uh, on a rolling basis it feels like it's just separate because of the kinds of things that i want to support and the level of attention they get and it's it's exciting to hear that carol was you know the way you describe it being treated on the same platform of sorts as as the martian i would suggest to you that carol is in fact a very strong contender the weinstein co whatever difficulties they may be going through with layoffs and and right. so forth. And in fact, I lost my own contact here in Los Angeles, which was actually a severe blow because there aren't that many of them. Right. Um, you know, they are doing a fantastic job with Carol and they had a big well, museum their, their of modern art hitter, thing. Right? And well, they have the fan, they have the hateful eight coming up we have, we have as well. So that's been screened for the Hollywood Forum Press and SAG, which have deadlines coming up, imminent deadlines. And last year, you may recall that. Uh, or every year, there's usually a movie or two that doesn't make the SAG uh, deadline. They're not going to show Star Wars for the yeah. critics' groups or for SAG, and they're not going to show. Um, we'll see if Joy actually gets in under uh, under the deadline. But uh, I can live without those movies for for the, for our voting because I just have so many of the things that I feel like will be harder to to break through after stuff like that screens unless they're total duds. But it is frustrating on some level that these movies aren't being shared because it 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 doesn't invalidate that part of the process, but it does create disclaimers that are going to have to be there during the first couple of weeks when these awards start coming out. Well, I think you're going to see uh, Revenant on Monday, as I am. Right. That's and uh, and Hateful Eight is is they promised to screen that uh, the week after Thanksgiving. Yeah, so we'll have updates on those soon enough. There are a couple of things that we've seen now that that we hadn't uh, before then. 
Um, I'm, I'm always happy to be just one small step ahead of you, Anne, and, and I've seen Creed, so I can speak to that one. I know you'll get around to it soon enough. I'm but, seeing it uh, tomorrow. There we go. So, I mean, it's uh, everybody's going to get a chance to see this movie. It's, it's a perfect one to open over uh, Thanksgiving because it's a serious crowd pleaser, but it's also just a, a great movie that, that works for a lot of different people. I'm not a boxing guy. I'm not even a diehard Rocky guy. And I had a blast. I thought it was the best Rocky installment of sorts since the first Rocky, just because Ryan Coogler is such a great filmmaker. Uh, and, and the kind of elements that are used in Fruitvale, his first film, to create a tearjerker, I think are used here to create a crowd pleaser in, much, in a very similar way. But obviously the scale is bigger. There, there's always a climactic fight in a Rocky movie that's not a spoiler. This one is done so dynamically. There's lots of those, you know, really excessive long take kind of things that are done here, but they're done in a very classy way that, that brings you into the action in, uh, in, a, in a sense that, that I think is, is fluid. But beyond all that, it's also just a really neat story, and it takes a premise that might sound outrageous because by the time Apollo Creed died in, in, in a, a Rocky movie that was released, you know, 25 years ago at this point, those that franchise was not that great anymore, but it turns it into something that feels very real, and uh, and that's a real credit to to kind of the young talent that they found. Although I will say that people have been rallying around uh, Stallone's performance and saying he's a serious supporting actor contender, and um, it's true. I mean, he finally looks like the old man he's become or that character would be at this point. You know, it was a little silly in Rocky Balboa, which was now almost ten years ago itself just the, the idea that he would be back in action. And now that character has gotten to the point where that makes sense. He's playing and, the Burgess Meredith character. Exactly. And it's very, it's very believable. You won't and, believe uh, this. I was actually working in New York and in my youth, and it was my first job ever um, working at, uh, in the movie business at, at, um, after I graduated from United Artists when they first did Rocky. We all met. Stallone before he had even become a movie star and we all worked on the campaign and uh, you know it was a big deal then that he was a writer as well as the the star that was an unusual thing it was like an independent film that was released by United Artists and it was done in the in back in those days they used to really you know very carefully craft these word of mouth and influencer campaigns over the course of an entire season you know as if it were going to be an oscar contender and it was and it won and what's fascinating about that too is that there's a whole generation of people who kind of grew up on the other side of stallone the kind of muscle muscle bound you know these ridiculous testosterone based narratives and so the franchise has been kind of blurred in with camp People forget that those early roots were something much more serious, much more kind of almost like a, you know, real, realism was sort of the main kind of uh, guiding element of the first film. In a lot it of had ways. a lot of authenticity, you know, the, the Philadelphia milieu, the way Avildsen, John Avildsen shot it. The Steadicam was one of the first films to use the Steadicam. Um, it was a pretty big deal. Um, you know, running up those steps in Philadelphia with the camera. That was yeah. how it was done. 
Yeah. And this movie, it has all those beats. You could argue that it's formulaic, but I think what it does is it, it takes that formula and regards the it as, as art in a way and, and certain elements that you can play around with and it just does them so well that you get drawn into that process all over again. And, and it is it is believable. But, you know, another movie that that we've seen in the past week that is, is going for some element of, of, I wouldn't say realism, but at least trying not to hold anything back is the big short. So let, let me tell you what I thought about this movie. I'm starting to think of it as sort of the Syriana complex, where it's, it's a movie that's been engineered in a way to be smarter than its audience, and then it goes out of its way to try to invite the audience into that smartness. I agree with that. I, enjoy, I enjoyed it on some level because of that, because it was so committed to kind of throwing all these elements about the, the density of the the factors behind the housing crisis in 2008, and then having famous people who you might recognize explain those concepts. That was sort of a fun, cheeky I liked it. I thought it was very uh, smart. I I absolutely commended it. A lot of people who don't get the movie and don't like the movie object to all of those sort of Brechtian techniques as being you know, sort of throwing you out of the movie and everything. I liked it. I, I think it's it's all over the place, kind of like... It's uh, a complete Carell's, mess uh, in many ways. I liked yeah, how scruffy it was, in a way. Steve Carell's wig, I mean, the, <laughs> it, it epitomizes something I think is wrong with movies, which is just sort of, you you can't really figure out exactly what it's trying to be. Like, you, you look at something like Wolf of Wall Street, and Scorsese is just so in control of this deranged tone. And this movie, it veers from far It's not as polished. Yeah, it's not. I mean, it's Adam McKay's. It looks movie horrible. Like not to put too fine a point on it. Shop doc style at certain points of time, which I found very distracting because it's like, look, it's Christian Bale doing a performance and clearly showboating as he always does, which you can have fun with. But if you're trying to shoot it in this naturalistic way, it's just it just seems silly. So it's it's very disconnected in certain ways. But at the same time, like I said, I mean, and it's, it's funny. funny. It's fun and it's funny, and that's a hard thing to do with this topic. And it's uh, smart. Obvious. Uh, point of comparison would be 99 Homes, which is another housing crisis movie released this year, and it's much more serious, much more pared down, two more main straightforward. actors. Straightforward. Straightforward. Very, um, very naturalistic. But, very straightforward. I mean, both of these movies have been positioned as award season movies of sorts, but neither of them are I easy I don't think selves. they are. They won't be. You know is why? Because it just doesn't look polished enough. And I think that the, to the extent that the Academy appreciates daring it appreciates daring in the service of of beauty you know it it doesn't necessarily go for daring when it's when it's rough edged like this also going back to the kind of diversity question you were talking about before these are such dude versions of these stories like they just assume on some level that they're, they're, I mean, I know it's a male-dominated world in a lot oh, of Oh, the women are so weak in this. It's so depressing. And in 99 Homes. They're very a, supporting. Yeah. I mean, but I, I They're there to support the men. I think people take it for granted. They, they've been doing it for so long, and men are just interested in stories about men, you know? And, 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 in, and it may be true that the men were the ones at the center of this. They put a, a black woman as, as uh, Steve Carell's boss... And they have Melissa Leo in a cameo, which where, yeah. makes her look extremely foolish. And Selena you know, Gomez, that was, that was a pretty good. And one. then Margot Robbie in the in, in the bubble bath. I don't object to those because they're conscious. You know, they're they're tongue in cheek and they know right. exactly what they're doing. They're calling it, but it but it but it would work better if there were some.
some decent, strong roles for women to go against them. Yeah. Well, speaking of women and and various complicated issues involving uh, the entertainment industry's relationship with them, the other kind of talking point on that front this week was this Hollywood Reporter cover with all of these female actresses vying for Oscars. That, and my husband used to make life. fun of me when I would use woman actress because it was uh, uh, yes, repetitive. Yes, I think we talked about this before. <laughs> but look, it just pours out of us. That's the way that we say it. <laughs> <laughs> what, so, so is it because they're all white? They're all white. Helen Mirren, Kate Blanchett, Brie Larson, Kate Winslet, Carrie Mulligan, Jane Fonda, Jennifer Lawrence, Charlotte Rampling. They're all really white. And the Hollywood Reporter acknowledged this. They, they wrote a long piece. thing. It's good. I thought the piece was actually very good. I thought he he nailed what he had to say. I, I disagreed with him that he should have left F. Gary Gray out of the director's list. At least right. he could have done that. And I think when they get to actors, they have a few. Um, they I, I'm assuming they've got a. Um, you know, a, maybe either a, they probably have uh, Idris Elba in there because he's a real yeah. You know, he's the one who might get nominated. I think there's some kind of problematic feedback loop here where, with this assumption that this is an accurate reflection of where things are. When the assumption itself can actually have influence, maybe the onus is on the people who are presenting this information to think in those terms. There must be a way to deal with that. Get get somebody of color on there if they're not a contender. Then you can acknowledge that. No, that. I don't think so. I mean, I mean, I have to say, I, I was just thinking about this. What you're, I mean, he, what he cops to is that it is a reflection. I mean, again, F. Gary Gray would have been a good choice for him, and he should have done it. But if you look at my list of 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 every single person that's either a contender or a front runner or a long shot on my chart, you know, I'm, and I'm extending myself to look at everything that's out there in the best actress category. Uh, there are no people of color. They just aren't there. There well, so aren't any. Telling me if they had put it is in best, best actress second. and supporting actress all okay. the way across. If they had put Taylor from Tangerine, just, just like, bear with me for a second. If they had put her on the cover would would that have been treated as some kind of uh you know tokenism tokenism or i mean yes. but couldn't it have also maybe reflected some realistic element of the fact that there there is a campaign for this movie or that at least this person is out there. I mean, you introduced her to Will Smith. She was at the Governor's Award. Absolutely. They should have put her on then. There's fewer parts for women in the first place. So in this Washington Post article, they list a couple of strong possibilities for women of color who have given some great performances this year. And the one that really stood out to me was Jada Pinkett Smith in Magic Mike XXL, which is a fun movie, and I think she's really great in it. I mean, it's a good performance, right? Yeah, it is a good performance, and I really liked her in it, but I, I can't... It's it, The Academy doesn't take sequels very seriously, and um, I find it hard... I mean, I remember people were campaigning seriously for Matthew McConaughey in the first one, and right. he totally deserved it. Um, well, it may have helped him for the other... The exactly, exactly. Yeah. But I, I don't think uh, this is going to be a, a major contender. It isn't about her. It's about the movie being 
uh, a movie that is about strippers and, and it's just not going to be taken that. And, you know, it's, it's similar, you know, I mean, it, it, for, it, Tangerine is, is, it, it, unfortunately, it's, 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 it's about you know, it's, it, prostitutes, you know, in, in effect. And so, you know, they're just not going to, they're not going to go there, I think. It's a, that's a really, it's about how this, the Academy wants to be seen, you know, in, in the world, they want to be high minded and, 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 uh, and they want to be above the fray, you know, that's why in a weird way, what you're saying about the Martian is a question mark because, you know, finally I looked at a trailer for spotlight and I saw you know, I was watching it and for whatever reason, it was a really good trailer and it just got the the hairs on my, the back of my neck going up. I got emotional about it. I believe that the fact that it's raising these questions about the Catholic church that are truly deeply upsetting mm-hmm. is going to make it more of a, a contender in the end for the win so than a saying, feel good movie like, like the Martian. Right. So does, does that make it sort of spotlight versus Carol more than anything else right now? No, it's still spotlight versus the Martian at this point, but, um, Could Carol split the difference. Carol does really well with all the critics groups, for example, you know, I believe that Carol and, uh, I haven't seen the hateful eight yet, but I believe that Carol and the other, um, Sony pictures, classics movie, son of Saul, and uh, the other movie that that is from Open Road, I think it's interesting that the independents have some of the strongest entries this year. Yeah, I mean, it, that's kind of the way the industry's been heading for a while, right? This just feels... Well, so- Argo won in its year, and right. Gravity uh, did very well. And I think of Birdman as even as innovative as it is, it is Fox Searchlight. It's not, it's not an indie, a true indie. Well, speaking of Birdman, we should just sort of look ahead to to, to this revenant moment that's being anticipated because it's been, I mean, the hype machine does what it does, right? And there are so many variables here. The fact that this guy won just a year ago or actually earlier this year, that the, the story of the shoot has been so dramatic. You know, I mean, it's just, what can we expect from sort of how the, this movie could change the conversation? How great does it have to be to be a serious contender once people start reacting to it. Well, I think part of what's going on is that these three films, positioned as they are at the end of the year, from these three Oscar perennials who are always in the game, who are so uh, admired and respected, one of them just won the Oscar, the other has been in the race, you know, like three years running. So uh, the question really is, do they deliver on the expectations and do the um, do they perform at the box office and win over critics? Right. And you know, my guess is all three of them are going to be um, technically uh, adept. You know, they won't be disasters, probably. Well, I don't know about the Revenant. The Revenant could be an incredible. It could be Children of Men all over again. It could be well, that was know, a the post-Oscar crazy movie that that you know is incredibly expensive and can't possibly make its money back and can't get audiences into the theater. That's what Children yeah. of Men Just too was. Weird. You know, too weird for and 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 not enough and violent. You yeah. know, incredibly violence, assaultive so and yeah. silent. You know, it's it's to the extent that Steve Jobs wasn't commercial because it's th- you know 
people talking in a room for right. for two and a half hours. You you have the same situation the with other end of the spectrum in with a way, this. You know, thing. not two, not. I'm not saying two and a half. It was. It wasn't but of that course, long. hateful eight will be a bunch of people talking in a room. Well, too. that we know will be dramatic. I am not worried about hateful eight. Hateful eight will be dramatic, but, but it'll it, be more Reservoir Dogs dramatic. Right. But we don't expect something necessarily groundbreaking. We expect a Tarantino movie, and it's just it looks you know. yeah, it looks gorgeous though. I mean, every time I see a trailer for that, I'm stunned by how beautiful. I'm remembering what I saw in uh, you know at the footage, the 70 millimeter footage in Hall right. H. You know, it just blew my socks it off. Look good. It better look good. Yeah. I mean, that, that's sort of a given. The question is, is it also a good enough movie to to be a part of this conversation in other ways? Yeah, but but the actors, does... we don't know whether Jennifer Lawrence has the movie of her lifetime or whether yeah. Leo DiCaprio finally gets the nomination he's been waiting for. You know, we're, we're, we're not sure about that. I mean, is, is, are these movies even done? I have questions about whether or not these movies are even done. Well, Russell point. was mixing as of last weekend, he said, when I saw him at the Governor's Awards. Tarantino's movie is screening. The Revenant is screening. Joy is not screening. That means they can't send out screeners. That right. means they're delayed on every level. That's what happened last year with Selma. It's yeah, it the was same bad. thing. Bad news on that front. But Selma but that- was a little movie that people didn't know about. Joy, right. everybody knows about. Joy right. has Jennifer Lawrence in it. Right. It's got the, the biggest, one of the biggest stars in Hollywood. It's got a, a filmmaker who's liked by the Academy. But it sounds like a bit of an odd one, and nevertheless. In any case, it's going to be a weird Christmas movie season. I'm, I'm so fascinated by what families choose to go to. If it's Star, not Star Wars, Wars. that's so the one. If they all go to Star Wars, it's sort of like all this other stuff cancels itself out. Oh, by the yeah. way, I did see, um, I did see the uh, a movie I'm sure you did not go to see this week, Hunger Games, <laughs> Mac and Jay Part 2. I'll get to it. I'll get to it eventually. I don't think I it's your target. Uh, I don't think you're the target audience. Did you see the last two? I've seen all of them. Let me tell you something. I take popular culture very seriously. Three, rather. So. <laughs> Three. It should, um, this should have been one movie. That's my biggest problem. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's the whole tendency of like just trying to string this thing along as, as, as much as possible. It's so attenuated, yeah. But, uh, I mean, at least it, they're doing it with strong performances, uh, a compelling kind of interestingly bleak storyline so have you seen it yet i'm talking about just the franchise in general i mean i liked the last one it was almost like a chamber drama it was mostly set in the underground lair for the you know i mean let's talk about it after you've seen it let's let's hold off on this because because you know i want to debate it with you i want to rigorously well give me a week with you (laughs) give me a week i'll catch and i'll come back with you on uh, creed Okay, that sounds like a deal. I'm going to go drink in Key West. Have fun. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. 
Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.